podcast. I'm excited to be in this new season two, and we're excited for this new year. Um, this is Dave. And this is Don. And we are just excited to be back. You know, it's uh, it's post-Christmas. We are enjoying what uh, January can be best described as the uh, the winter of our sales lives, you know, because, <laughs> it's, because everyone realizes they either A, overspent, are burnt out on spending, or B, are poor, or C, or D, all of the above. Right, uh, uh, and then uh, and then usually we have this kind of lull before we all recatalyze or re uh, re get back into it for February. But but you get those great white sales and all the all the clearance sales that happen. Oh in, yeah, happen Boxing in the, Day and in the, the day January. after uh, Jan- January first. I mean, Dillard's used to do this great uh, January first sale where they bring in and just do crazy volume that one day is seventy percent off of the stuff that's already thirty percent off, and you get all kinds of crazies in, um, which. I think Dillard's just stopped that now because they figured out they can sell it without that, which is good <laughs> for them and good for their profit margins because um, that's what retailers need is profit margins. But uh, but we're in a new year, and uh, we thought we'd bring back uh, a previous guest, uh, Dewey. And uh, Dewey, welcome back to the show. Oh, thanks. It's great to be back. You know, it's uh, um, as we're going into the, the first quarter, I just remember the days of uh, – uh, finishing up the season and being so tired and so overstressed that it was always such a nice break. And I haven't been in the mall industry here for a couple of years and I just know stress all the time now. So I don't, (laughs) I don't get that relief like I did back in the mall days. Now January is just boring to you. (laughs) Well, Well, I'm in the landscaping business. So it's instead of paying for snow removal and having that stress, it's when that white stuff comes down, it's just white gold to me. Oh yeah. Making money. (laughs) Well, uh, what do you? Uh, well, let's talk about January being. You know, um, I think like everyone in the mall business that has a uh, shopping center in that northern climate, shall you say, we all get to deal with the the white powdery substance uh, known as as snow. Uh, what what kind of? Uh, well, actually, and snow, and then I would say also the deep freezes. You know, the Chicagoland deep freezes, where where you where it looks great outside; it's crystal clear, but it's negative fifty-two. And the, some of the uh, some of those things there, for those of you who don't know, in the mall business, I mean, the super cold can be worse than super hot or even heavy snow. I mean, you get the heavy snow fine, but sometimes the super cold is is crazy. Do you have any? Have you had any experience, uh, either you or Don, uh, uh, with uh, freezing pipes? Oh my goodness! So. Um, if anybody knows the Cache Valley at all, they know that January has the inversions. And the inversions <laughs> are when the cold air gets trapped down below. And because we're in such a tight valley, it, the, 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 the way it sets is it just comes down and your, your temperature just keeps dropping and dropping and dropping because your, your um, thermal layer prohibits any cold to escape out, basically. So you get this thermal layer at about 10,000 feet and anything below it, it just, you're, you're getting colder and you're getting stinkier because you got bad, bad air. Um, at some points we're the worst air in the entire country during the month of January. And, um, I'm sitting at home one day and it's the fourth day of, of, you know, below zero temperature, not just below freezing, but below zero temperature. I think it was like 12 below zero, get a call and, JC Penney's is flooding. So go in there and sure enough, they've got a pipe because, you know, I love engineers and I love builders and <laughs> they are so <laughs> remarkable in the things that they do. 
Um, in order to get a, a, a soffit outside, an outside soffit sprinkled, what they'll do is they'll run the pipes up in that soffit and then completely enclose it to the outside temperatures. And then what they'll do is they'll fill that with glycol, which is basically antifreeze. And it's good, right? Well, theoretically, that's good until you have your tests that go on in the fall. So you test that sprinkler system. And by doing that, you open up the drains and you throw out all the water. Now, the glycol systems are not subject to that. But because when you go to put the water back in, it repressurizes the whole system. And all of a sudden, you get this water that goes into the glycol. Well, just like in your car, if you put too much water in your glycol, it makes it thinner and it doesn't work like it's supposed to. So what happens is because these soffits have no way to heat them, no insulation in them, then when you're below zero for a number of days, it doesn't matter what, how much glycol you have, that's, that line's going to break. So in this particular case, that line broke and you think, well, it's outside, you know, that's not a big deal. Well, it broke and the, the way that the, the water was spraying, it kind of dug a hole through the sheetrock went into a in onto the inside completely flooded one section took a um, took a u-turn off of the break and went back into the building yes <laughs> and I, I mean it caused so much damage and you we've all had the sprinkler the the black pipe black pipe sprinkler smell right that's that's just if you yeah, haven't you, smelled you, it it's you, unique. you you always envisioned the sprinkler being like the movies where it starts to rain down and then suddenly singing in the rain comes on and you mm-hmm. can you can dance and play in this wonderland of rain that's man-made but it is far from that when it, yeah. it when it gets out of there it's 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 awful it's non-potable is not even a nice way to say it <laughs> <laughs> no it's black and it's gross and then you add in some glycol, which if any of you have worked on your car at all, glycol's got a sweet, stenchy smell. You add that with a black pipe smell, and that, inside of J.C. JCPenney's, um, that is not a good scenario for the manager there. They are not happy about that at all. Well, what we found so, too. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. So, anyway, in this particular case, we're responsible for everything inside J.C. JCPenney's. So, we had to fix that. And because it damaged all that, you know, all the, the, the product and everything, there was a, there was a big insurance claim there. Um, and um, they wanted us to replace all their carpets. Now, the only reason that we couldn't replace carpets is because under the carpets was a tile that was asbestos, um, asbestos contained. <laughs> and they didn't want to, and that would have been their responsibility. So they didn't want to mess with that. So we got away with cleaning the carpets, but it was still... Quite a, I mean, four or five days of just mess after. Oh it. yeah, just and uh, just trying but to... you know, how do you how do you prepare for that? Well, you just have to make sure you test those lines that you know are, and nobody nobody, there's not a, a map out there that says test these lines. There is now, but obviously that not at that time. So, oh, that's crazy. Well, oh, with all the centers that I've had at various times, and so many of them were back east. You know, a lot of time these malls are, you know, some of them are fifty years old now, and uh, the plan. The plans, uh, you know, uh, here in Arizona, a lot of the malls were built by the company that manages them. So, you know, plans are pretty good, though. We all know that as-builts should show exactly where something is, and sometimes the as-builts might not have been updated to show where. I mean, I can't tell how many times I've looked for a water lane uh, line with a backhoe 
and uh, you know you're you're 20 feet from where it was supposed to be and you still haven't found it yet but uh, when these lines break tracking them down and and where they go to and you know how you can cut them off and that it's it's not an easy task there and uh, it it makes for some really intense times and it's amazing how much water because once it hits a concrete floor it's not going to do anything but spread out it's not oh, soaking yeah. into the ground anywhere so yeah the how much goes in stays in it's mm-hmm. it's, it's not an it's not now i remember um i remember we had uh, i had a mall in a in a market that was super could get super cold and we had this high you know this high front come in and and just deep freeze it. I mean, I think if we were negative, negative sixteen, I mean that probably would have been the lights out. We might have been negative twenties, you know, somewhere in the middle. Just bitter cold, and um, and our our security deployment on that particular mall, uh, we we reduced to one security officer. So you'd have a great CCTV system, and then you would have a cell phone. You'd set the cameras, and you would go do a tour. And then come back in and recheck the cameras and kind of do a visual tour. And then, you know, about every couple hours you'd go do a test. Well, we had um, like nine service rooms that had, you know, sprinkler lines or, or fire rooms, riser rooms. Uh, we had a couple of pumps because that particular property, probably another story, uh, had like nine mechanical pumps that would pump water out all the time. Um And if those broke, then you flooded them all. So it was kind of like, kind of had to keep them pumping. But... So this this one night, uh, the officer, like, did the first round of checks. And we're talking, like, deep freeze. So, like, every single room, even the heater I have installed in every room is just churning to keep that, you know, 10 by 12-foot masonry building warm uh, with all these pipes in it. Well, he checks it at midnight. He checks it at 1. All of a sudden, the rest of the night, he didn't check them, like, he fell asleep in the chair <laughs> in CCTV. And so, you know, but he claimed that he did it, you know, of course. But he's sitting there. Anyway, well, about 7 in the morning, or no, it wasn't. It was about 8 in the morning. Let's see, when was it? Nope. So, take it back. So, so that happens in the middle of the night. No checks. Well, the heater went out about 2 a.m. Something happened. It arced out. Heater died. So that room became ice cold, and it froze. We had one of the main um, backflows for the one of the fire riser rooms it was right in there, and it, it busted the entire valve. But the challenge was it was so cold, the water froze in the line, and then it wasn't until about like 9 a.m. that the sun had warmed the building enough on that side and it had kind of come out of the deep freeze that all of a sudden it was a parking lot. Like just gushed out of the water, and it ha- it was still so cold outside. It became an ice skating rink for like sixty feet or eighty feet, right under the sidewalk into the parking lot. And we're just going around like, what the heck happened? You know, and and uh, and sure enough, we figured out the security guard was was diligent about his checks, except for from two to four in the morning when he was asleep. <laughs> so, you know, so but, it, it was an extended break. Extended, that, extended break. That, that's and, all. you know, but it's just one of those where sometimes it gets so cold that you don't realize it's broken until it thaws out. And that's almost the worst part is because you're doing something else you're not realizing. And then, then you get hit with the, the surprise crazy times. Well, I've seen hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of damage from broken pipes. And, uh, you know, if, you, if you'd known that there was a problem, uh, sometimes you don't know what you don't know till it gets to that point. Uh, you know, you would have definitely spent the ten thousand or fifty thousand or whatever to get it, but uh, uh, so it wouldn't happen. But sometimes you play some some uh, follow up with that. So uh, 
the the when you were talking about inversion, that was one of the biggest shocks I had when I went to Utah because the valley was so beautiful, and all of a sudden you think there's not a sun, and yet if you drive up in the canyons, once you get above you know six thousand feet or seven thousand feet, it's twenty degrees warmer, and there's sun. <laughs> it's just that you can't down down below when it's held in there. Uh, it, it was a great little trick. Uh, well, yeah, that's that's the beauty about Utah, right? Is that when you start getting in the inversion it drives you up to the mountains where the real beauty is and the real, you know, the fun stuff begins, right? If you like to ski or snowmobile or anything like that, that's the only reason I actually will get out into the snow during the winters. Um, in most cases is that, um, just to get out of the air, right? I, I'm not a big skier. I, I'm not a big, I don't have snowmobiles, but I'll actually go rent them just to get out and get up into the air, right? And, and try and get your, your lungs cleaned up from the, the inversion. It's pretty good. It's a pretty crazy experience. You know, when you were talking about uh, JC Penney and the Mastiff and the, or the asphalt in the uh, tile, we had a department store one time where it was an old lease and we were responsible for all repairs inside the, the store, everything. I mean, mm -hmm. luckily there weren't a lot of those leases around anymore, but there was one. And uh, at this mall, all of a sudden, it was a small mall, uh, we start getting. Uh, uh, bomb threats at, at in a re, in a fairly regular I mean like two a month and wow. uh, hmm. uh, the, that's, that's an incredible amount of th bomb that threats. is a bomb threat yeah. and then uh, in this department store they had a fire a small fire in a in a stock room and a in a, where they kept toilet paper and stuff like that and then there was another fire I forget where it was but uh, again not a lot of damage sprinklers went off and controlled it a few more bomb threats, and it was all seemed to be focused towards this one store. And then uh, finally there was a third fire, and it was in their point-of-sale room, and it took out a lot of their computers and, you know, electronics that they needed to have the store open. And that fire got a little bit more out of control, and, and uh, you know, we spent a lot of money fixing that. And once that got done, there was another bomb threat. And what they found was there was an employee who worked there, and when they wanted to go home early or if they were running late to work, they would oh. either call in a bomb threat or start a fire to go home because once the fire started. So uh, that person is actually in prison now. Wow. Uh, they, uh, I don't know. I don't remember the details. I probably knew it one time, but I, I, I could make up some stuff, but I'll, I, will, uh, I will refrain. <laughs> but uh, it was all directed towards that, and I mean that's – there, I'm, I'm guessing if they ever made employee of the month, that was probably taken away from them after that. So uh, that's dedication, though. I mean, you yeah, have to be really committed to wanting to leave or get there late or whatever. I mean, that's commitment. Yeah, I, I don't know what their, well, I don't know what their uh, uh, company policy was if you were late for work, but uh, it just doesn't really seem like, <laughs> <laughs> like, like, like that's the extreme not to be fired. Like that's yeah. that's where you went. <laughs> Another one of the. Uh, wonder what I'm going to do at my next job. When you were talking about these different rooms, you know, malls have different rooms where there's uh, breakers and, and there's, you know, the sprinklers and there's elevator equipment and that. And it up down in a, um, in a, uh, in a, a switch room to where for one of the electrical panels where a lot of electrical panels were. And then we turned off the light so the light didn't work in there. So at that time we were using off-duty police officers. So uh, we, we called security and said, We've got a problem. Uh, can you go down and check an electrical room, whatever? And knowing that when he opened the door, they wouldn't be able to see what was there. So he walks in, he turns on the light, light doesn't come on, and he, uh, he flips on his flashlight, and there's this mannequin standing there. And he said, 
I almost shot it. I mean, not that he <laughs> And he said, and I still thought about taking it out and shooting it just to make a point. But he said, I didn't want to fill out all the paperwork that happens when you discharge your service weapon. But uh, we thought it was really funny. And then once you think about it, you're thinking that could have ended really, really badly. So that's a practical joke you only pull one time. So that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. You, you know, there's enough stuff that goes on. You normally don't have to make your own problems, but uh, sometimes it just seems too easy not to. Or, or you got to do something to make it exciting for you. So, uh, uh, Dewey, you said that you have a landscaping business now. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so uh, with the, the mall that I had in Utah, uh, the the we were building an, a. Uh, uh, power center next to it and we'd always had problems that we didn't have enough pressure on our on our landscaping system to run as many heads as we needed to at the right time and stuff so when they're building the center next to us uh, it was decided and I thought it was a great idea that uh, they would just size that system to be able to add water to our side to give us more more pressure and uh, this is another one of those things that you don't know what you don't know so we had them do it and uh, I was thinking, well, this is going to be great now. You know, I won't have to hot water in the heat of the day. I can water more at night now because I'll have. When they turned it on, that extra pressure in that line blew out all the pipes, all the joints and stuff, oh, because no. they never had that much pressure in them before. And so, what started out to be just a brilliant idea. Look at this. I'm going to solve my problems. I'm going to do that. Became a bigger problem when. Uh, so. Uh, you know, uh, it, it it it's funny, but as I got a, a more regional role. There were so many things that I could tell people don't do that because I knew the outcome of them because I'd done them wrong at one time or another. <laughs> and and I also learned a lot from other people where, you know, when you're willing to share what you've done wrong, they'll share what they've done wrong. And uh, there's just there's such a there's such a wealth of knowledge out there about, uh, you know, the uniqueness of, of this. And I'm sure it's that way with office buildings and other things as well. But uh, you don't normally have buildings that have the kind of turnover and the reconfiguration is what you have in malls because, you know, those stores may be built out, you know, 10 times over a 20-year period. And so someone ran a line this way instead of that way. And, you know, so there's – it's uh, – yeah, uh, a lot of what I learned was from uh, never do that again. <laughs> and th thankfully I worked for people that were willing to, to understand that. Well, sometimes the experimentation works in your favor. You know, you do something and it's like, oh, hey, that that saved us a bunch of money and worked out. That's pretty good. You know, when you're talking about the water mixing with the with the antifreeze in the pipes, we had a pipe break one time at the at the uh, at a, a hydraulic elevator, and uh, it ran down into the pit. And the elevator ran up and down for a while, but every time it was going up and down, it was pumping water into the piston that was coming through there. And, and then you had to dispose of, I forget how many gallons it was, but because it, it was mixed with that oil, uh, we had to pay now to have it disposed of hazard, hazardous material hazardous and waste. stuff. And oh. I mean, you just, you, you know, it never occurred to me that that was going to be a problem, but sometimes, you know, you just learn as you go along. What's your, any, any great stories about maintenance issues? I, I think that maintenance people are probably the most underrated people. I know, uh, uh, leasing people would probably say they are, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but operationally, cause, cause you're the ones that have to figure out how to build out the stores that people want. You have to be, you know, you're the one that figure out, uh, how to how to get stores open on time and and that any any great operational stories from the time that you were doing that? Yeah, I mean there were several. I was just I was thinking which one I wanted to tell. Um, tell we, uh, one of the 
one of the funny ones is here um, at the at the mall here in in Logan. Um, you know, you talk about the reconfigurations, and we had uh, a store coming in um, that wanted to take up three locations, right? And they come and did their their visit, and you know, hey, it's going to be X amount to do this, and my operations manager who um, was just awesome. We're walking through this together and we're walking through the back of this one store. And as we're walking across the floor, we're like, that's not concrete. And he goes, no, it's not concrete. And I go, why is that not concrete? This, this all should be on the same level. And he said, no, when this first, when this mall was first built, this used to have a little boutique area. It was all sunken down. It was like the, you know, uh, uh, little small 100, 200 square foot shops that people would just set up these little things. And it was all sunken into the, you know, as a, as a, as a little area. And I'm like, oh, that's crazy. Why? <laughs> anyway, but the, but, but so when we were talking to the, the construction manager about this, um, he was like, oh, I'm glad you brought that up because they're going to want this all as concrete. Um, I, I would have missed my bid, you know, by oh, hundreds of thousands wow. of dollars. And so he's, he, he'd get into, we do a bunch of investigations. And so, you know, the, the operations guys, the maintenance guys that have that knowledge of the facility, I mean, they can save you, they can save deals, they can save thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, one of the things that, uh, I was really excited about was that, my time in Oregon, I um, was the operations manager there, and we were at a at a uh, the, the mall that was kind of the all happening mall in the area. But we had a turnover, a couple, three years of turnover that were going to amount to probably seventy percent of this the stores were coming up for renewal, and some of them we wanted to keep, some of them we wanted to to move around, and so it was this three years of just juggling. And then the, we were managing a third party for uh, an investor, investor company. And the asset manager at that time said he didn't really like working with, um, with general growth's tenant coordination. So he fired them on that side of the business and hired a local architect and basically said, Dewey, you can now be our tenant coordinator working with the architect. And you sit there and go, okay, I've, we've got all this stuff that's got to happen from an operational standpoint, plus tenant coordination. How the heck am I going to do that? And we, uh, we ended up, in fact, uh, the gentleman was hired before I was hired as an assistant operations manager. Um, and so when we sat down and when I first got there, sat down and divvied up the work of how this was all going to work out. Um, I basically said, okay, you're going to get training on how to do the, running the maintenance, janitorial, all that, and security. And that's going to be your role while I try and figure out how we're going to do these, these build-outs. Um, a new property, all that kind of stuff. And so um, what, what ended up happening, to make a very long story a little shorter, we ended up as we went through the system um, going, and I would, I would meet weekly with, my, with, with individual team members of, that had institutional knowledge of the building, and I'd put out there the, 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 the stores we were going to be rebuilding in the next six months. Right. And we would talk about what problems are going to come up. And so ideally what happened is, is that because we had those meetings, because we were 
very active in the management of it. Um, I mean, over the course of three years, we opened early on an average of about 45 days, wow. which on, on rent, on rent turnover, that turned over to several million dollars in rents. Right. Um, and I, I think that, I think that that's one of the things that helped me in my career is that whatever position I was in, I was always looking at how can I make the next position, meaning my general manager or a regional manager, how can I make them look better by just trying to find out a little bit more of why we do something? And so, because we were able to open these stores early, the GM was happy. She, you know, she never had the stress of that. She could deal with the other stresses that come up as a GM and the operations managers and, and maintenance guys, if they, if, if we as an industry would, uh, you know, acknowledge them, if you will, um, and say, "Hey, what can what what can you bring to the table?" There's a wealth of knowledge there, but the, a lot of times they feel like, um, "Hey, if I, every time I every time I pop my head up or give a suggestion, they think I'm being a naysayer." Instead of instead of at, addressing that as them being a naysayer and more bringing it on as, "Hey, here's some information that might help us," um, that that actually helps. So. Um, I, that's kind of a rambling, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty passionate about the whole maintenance and operations side of things because a lot of times they think, well, you're trying to kill my deal. The leasing guys, I loved having those conversations when I was an operations manager. There's a, that was my favorite thing for them to say, you're trying to kill my deal. No, I'm trying to make sure when your deal is done that you exceed your budgets. Yep. Right. Yeah. Um, you're, you're open early, you're open early, you're under budget. And you're and you're and you're and everyone's happy with the result. Not, not I've missed my budget. I'm spending way more capital. I'm unhappy. We got to push the the start date. And you know now you look bad. Yeah. You know yeah. I I look at these podcasts in some ways being a love letter to an industry that uh, that I enjoyed and that I I got to grow up and learn with. And you know this one the the stories here aren't nearly as funny as some of these other ones. But, you know, it, it's such a real part of it when they say, you know, what do you do as a general manager? What do you do as an operations manager? You know, the general public doesn't really understand the nuances that go into this. You know, that, that uh, you know, these stores don't get built out without a lot of oversight. Uh, they got to be coordinated because when you're in a mall, you know, everybody's on top of each other. They don't really like them using the guns to shoot in uh, nails with, or into the into the concrete when when uh, the the malls open. You know, they're you mean, saw cutting you mean you on these. You can't drill wherever you want to drill, <laughs> and and, and whenever you want. And uh, <laughs> it is just amazing. I, I was thinking uh, back east, we had a mall that uh, had some major major groundwater problems, and we need to get that guy on with us. Uh, hopefully sometime, but he saved Christmas for us. We would have had to shut down the mall, and he figured out a way to divert it. Uh, we had it going into pump trucks. Uh, we had the waste going into trucks that would then haul it off and, and enter it into the system later on. But we kept the mall open over Christmas, and it wasn't cheap. But I guarantee it was a whole lot less expensive than shutting down the mall and dealing with all the stores yeah, that were closed. Peak season. Oh, I, I mean, it. it uh, to to this day, I still think it's one of the most incredible things I've ever seen from a from a mall team. That the uh, the manager there was very strong operationally as well. And then you pair that with someone, and he had and he had uh, some knowledge that time tells. And the other guy was just uh, was the operations manager didn't have the the time there. But I mean, it it. I'm sure it was seven figures that they saved um, 
with that said, it cost hundreds of thousands of dollars to, to get the work done, but you kept them all open. Oh, it's and, impressive. Uh, yeah, it's, a, it, it's, well, it's the ingenuity, right? It's, it's the seeing the problem, using the experience and understanding, but then ap- applying it in a creative or, or logistical way that, that makes it so that it works. And, and, it, and, it's, and it's kind of a – well, you know, in this instance, it's the miracle that saves Christmas because otherwise that mall's Christmas is ruined for a long time, and it's gift card central. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, it's, but, but like I said, it, it just goes to show uh, – what it takes to do this and and uh you know it's a it's an interesting career and it's one i've, I've joked that these tapes ought to be used as recruit or tapes these podcasts ought to be used as recruiting don't worry don i'm going to use tapes now to record this <laughs> we're going to work on that <laughs> yeah. well i'll pop it in my vcr yeah, and watch it v- then too your, so your, that'll work your out your track is going to get real warmed <laughs> up in that wood paneling vehicle of yours you know but uh, uh. <laughs> well speaking of, well, vi- uh, speaking of we're vehicles, talking about snow and ingenuity i, yeah, I oh. have one more to come up so oh nice you know Cash Valley, we get a lot of snow and on certain years. And this particular year, we had a ton, and it was on top of our Dillard's building. We go walking in there, and you you go walk through the Dillard's building, and the ceiling tile would be sagging. Oh. And we're like, that isn't good. So we pop a, <laughs> the pop a ceiling tile and look up, and a couple of the trusses have popped, right? Oh. Which means you got too much snow on your roof. Yeah. So it's one of those things where you're like, okay, let's get some people up there. My my operator, we had a whole crew up there. I was, I was going up and back and forth, and we're trying to get this snow shoveled off the roof, and we're trying to get a hold of people to come and help us. And we had a quote from, I don't know, some roofing company, like twenty five thousand a day to get this snow off the off the roof. Wow. My operations manager goes, "Why don't we go get a hundred bags of humate and some black plastic?" And I'm like, "What is that going to do?" He's like, well, Humate is just fertilizer. All it's going to do is once you put the black plastic on it, it's going to melt that. It's going to go right up. And then all of a sudden, you, I start worrying about the environmental factors because I'm a GM now. You know, I'm thinking negative. He goes, Humate is just natural. It, it, it's a natural fertilizer. There, it, once it goes in the system, it's not going to, no harms are going to happen. Okay, great. So I'm on my mind thinking we're going to still schedule for these roofers to come because if this doesn't work, I've still got a problem, right? We need them here yeah, in a couple you, days. You still need it done. So he, they go out and they get this humate and they spread it all over the roof and you're looking at the roof and you have this nice white snow on there and then all of a sudden it's dark black. Then you put the black plastic on it, right? And within about four hours, that snow had went from 24, 24, 28 inches down to about 12. And I'm amazed. I'm like, this is fantastic. That's so um, that's the ingenuity of a guy that, hey, why don't we just do something simple instead of killing people? Oh, oh, and uh, I really wish I'd heard anyway, that story 20 I, years ago. I actually really could have used that <laughs> yeah, story uh, in Flagstaff, <laughs> of all places, uh, during their, their, their every 50-year storm. So, dang, that's a maybe, good idea. Maybe this podcast needs to become subscription. <laughs> yeah, subscription yeah, only. Uh, pay, that's a, pay for the secrets. <laughs> that's right. That's, I, I, I don't want you dropping turkeys I, from helicopters I, and, yeah. and using Humade yeah. out of, you know, I, I've never heard free, that before. You know? I, tell, I, just, awesome. I just have to ask the question. Because part of the problem we I've had in some of these really cold climates, a lot of snow, is that it freezes underneath it, so the roof drains don't work. I know this is riveting for most people listening, so uh, I mean I apologize, <laughs> but your roof drains don't work because they're frozen. Would it melt? When it melted, did it did it freeze on the deck, or did it did it open up your roof drains too? Or do you remember? Well, because it's because of the nature of it being a fertilizer, and basically fertilizer can 
you know, warms up just like an ice melt will. Mm -hmm. um, it, it kept your roof drains open, but yeah, I mean, when, when the humate was kind of all gone and it was kind of all melted off. Yeah, it was, there was probably two, three inches of, of ice on that roof. Yep. And of course it was a single ply roof, which are slippery anyway. Right. So, you know, choose your poison, but yeah. it, it, it did create that mess. But yeah, but, then, you're, but you're trying to go from 44 pounds per foot down to 21 pounds per foot. I mean, that's really what you're trying to get. Exactly. You're trying to stop the roof from collapsing. Yeah. And we've yeah. all seen enough things on the yeah. news where, where roofs give up. That That's great. That's amazing. Yeah. I've never heard that before. That was a brilliant idea. Yeah. So that, and then that wasn't my idea. I, I, I only take, credit for it by just saying yes <laughs> but uh, I, I, that, that, I agreed that, to the epa we're good <laughs> yeah the uh that operations manager was just a practical solution guy and he was awesome so. well but again again facing what almost appears to be insurmountable i mean the story i think i shared about the one in flagstaff was i mean we were we were if if you were fogging a mirror and walking by our place and could hold a shovel we were like here's 20 bucks an hour get on the roof shovel that direction like it was just kind of like roll and go you know and 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 to use that ingenuity where otherwise you're facing you know full crews and full you know expenses i mean $25,000 a day I mean that's that's some hefty things to clear the stuff that no one sees, and all you're trying to do is, sh is save the roof. I mean that's that's a, that's it's just ingenuity, and, and it's, it's a creativity there that that belies the the position where where you're not just a, a fixer, but you're a solver. You know, which I think is cool. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, when you were talking about uh, just go out and hire people, I had a mall one time where. Uh, I had uh, we had a garage that opened up in the back, and there was a uh, all my breaker panels were there for the parking lot and all the you know all the lights at the property, and I leased the space next to it, and so that there was a garage door that opened up that went into this into this panel room. It was a it was a maintenance area, and in the space next to it, which used to be part of the maintenance as well, there was a door that went in. Well, we got a leasing deal done, so I went ahead and uh, expanded into the maintenance room, closed off that door, and so now all I had was the garage door that went into the room with all the panels. And uh, again, this is one of those things that you learn that you go, hmm, should have thought about that. Well, fast forward about six, eight months, we had a bad electrical storm go through. We were hit with by some lightning, and we lost all of our lights. And... Uh, so it, it happened later in the evening, so the mall wasn't open. But in the morning, we had everybody out there trying to figure out what was going on. Well, there was no way for them to get into that room because all we had was a garage door that had an electric opener that oh, was now. No. And so <laughs> uh, as I was the one who created this mess, I thought, well, I need to figure this out. So I actually, we had, we had built out the space, but we hadn't turned it over to the tenant yet. So I went to my car, and I got my tire iron, and I went in there, and I started busting through the sheetrock. And I thought, well, I'm just going to get this opened up, go between the studs, you know, get the door open. We'll figure out what's going on. So, I mean, I'm in a tie. That's back when you had to wear a tie and, and that. I'm busting through the sheetrock, and, I mean, I'm sweating. I'm covered in this dust and that. And uh, I don't know how big I thought I was, but I don't fit between studs. Uh, <laughs> so, so now I've got this opened up. 
<laughs> and I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out how, what's this going to do. So I go out into this was a uh, strip center. I go out and there's this lady walking with a small child, and I said, "Does your son want to make twenty bucks?" And she looked at me like. <laughs> I'm, I'm standing there. I'm sweating. I'm covered in, in dust and stuff. And she looked at me like, uh, okay. And uh, th- you know, this was this was 30 years ago, maybe 35 years ago. It and, wasn't. And even by those standards, yeah. It creepy. Even yeah. then, it was. Yeah. Even then, it was creepy. So uh, uh, I, I said, you know, I'm, I'm the manager of the property. I've got a problem here. I can't get through this area. I just need him to go in there and pull the handle down to, to release the garage door so she walked in the space with me she looked in there she said he ain't going in there and i thought yeah you're a good mother you know yeah. <laughs> I, i'm a there's bad manager <laughs> so the next thing i'm in there and i they were metal studs i finally got them you know switched out and stuff and i went in and, and hit the hit the breaker to turn it back on and shot and sparks flew out of there it scared the bee jiggers out of me if i'd put that kid in there i guarantee i'd had a new job because that, that one was that, not that gonna, lady would have made sure you, that you one, paid the price that, on one that one was one. not gonna work but uh, it, it's funny but that was also the first time i ever saw him replace some transformers and you know the, the transformers up on the light poles and stuff so uh th- we had brought in emergency lights that night and that that night they were cutting off the power and switching over to the new system so the uh the power companies they're doing all this and i'm watching because i i just was always fascinated with this stuff and uh they get ready to to, to bring the line back in and they're out there with these long poles and these rubber gloves and suits and stuff and they're going to pull the and so you know they're backing up trucks and they're moving away and i'm still about 15 feet from this just my mouth open staring at it and someone <laughs> said you may want to back up a little bit because sometimes those things arc and he said last time we did this uh, the arc was so big a guy turned to run and hit the mirror side of the mirror and broke his arm so you may i, oh. I, I went back behind him <laughs> after that i'm thinking thank you for telling me that it went off without a hitch but oh that was not my finest moment of of all times there so <laughs> that's awesome you, you know this is a christmas yeah. story that i should have told when we were doing these other ones but it, it was in the same area you remember when they used to have the kiosk in the mall that would print whatever you wanted on a t-shirt or on oh, a hat yeah, and yeah. Stuff? So, yeah, so yeah. you could yeah all custom custom kind mm-hmm. of stuff right so we yeah. used to do a gift exchange with my my uh, wife's family and and he had a brother that was the fire chief and uh, of a small small town and another brother came to visit him at this volunteer fire department and was playing with his gun, and don't ask me why, but he shot a hole through the door of the fire truck with a forty-five. Ooh, nice, so, nice size hole. Nice size hole. So that year for Christmas, as luck would have it, when we drew out names, I got his name. So I went and bought a trigger lock for a forty-five, and then I went to this place in the middle of the mall that sells you can make up bumper stickers or hats and i got a camp i ordered a camouflage hat that said uh champion fire truck hunter and then i ordered a a bumper sticker that said caution i shoot fire trucks and so uh, obviously they didn't have any in stock they had to make them so uh, i come back you know three or four days later it's right before christmas and I'm standing in line. I get up there. This lady's been behind me the whole time. And they bring this out. In one place, they spelled fire truck as two words. Uh, I can't remember if it was on the hat or on the truck. And on the other one, oh. they, they spelled it as one word. And so I'm having the discussion about, mm, I think it's two words, but you know, I don't know, maybe fire truck. And so we're having this discussion back and forth. And because it was all a practical joke, I finally start negotiating price about, you know, <laughs> you're not going to sell this. How about, you know, and this lady was sitting here watching all this, watching all this. And she looked at me and she said, what does that mean? And I said, well, I said, I have a 
brother-in-law that was a fire uh, fire chief and and uh, his brother came in and they shot a hole. She said, what station is he at? And I said, oh, it's in a different state. And she goes, good. <laughs> I don't think she liked the idea of firemen showing up armed, especially when they're shooting their own fire trucks. So. They're supposed to be hugging puppies and making calendars. I'm not sure they're supposed get, to be having weapons. Get, yeah. So, uh, but uh, you just never know what you're going to find there when you go through. I still, I, you know, I, every time I tell that story, I think I'm going to look it up and see if fire trucks one word. I don't think it is, but you know what? I might have to up right things. now i don't know so that's pretty funny. have you had any fires at any of your properties dewey when you were working oh yeah we i don't know if, if you're working them all that you don't i th- think one of the uh uh the more interesting one that we had that was more you know more involved was we had a an orange julius in right in our center court and uh the the kids that were closing out the store, we had just started going through a negotiation for them to renew. Um, they were at the end of their lease. Um, and they, they didn't really know if they wanted to, to renew or not. Um, and so we were just at the end of, end of the negotiations on that. Hadn't signed anything yet. And the kid walked out, didn't turn the fryer off. <laughs> and so um, we had, we had set one camera up in the mall and I can't remember what the reason why we did. We had something going on, but that was also at a time when we didn't have overnight security, right? 24 hour security, small mall, small market and uh, tight budget. So um, anyway, we get a call from, I get a call from my operations manager. He says, Hey, we've had a, a fire in the mall at, at orange Julius. And um, so we came in and the orange Julius was, I mean, it was, it was gone. There was, there was really nothing left of it. Um, but the problem is, is that all that smoke and everything filled the entire mall. Cause you know, it's a, it's a restaurant, so there's nothing to keep it in. And so they, uh, they basically, you know, we had to bring in a remediation crew to do the uh, remediation throughout the entire center. So, um, the owner comes in and we're talking it through and he goes, you know, I, I, I'm getting deployed, right? I just found out I'm getting deployed after the first of the year. So my wife would have to handle these kind of situations. So we're, we're not going to renew. We're just going to walk away. And I said, well, you know, that, that, that's fine. I said, but one of the things you have to understand is that your space has to be built back to its at then current condition, at least. Plus your insurance is responsible for whatever damage that we still are trying to investigate. And the poor guy, I, I really feel bad for him because he was like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. Can't we just board it up and walk away? No, that's not how this works. Yep. And so he, at that point, the light went off and he's like, I get it. And luckily there wasn't a big you know, amount of drama, which can happen in these things. And he's like, I get it. And so um, basically how it, how it ended up is that his insurance company put that store back to almost brand new. Now, the problem was is that it wasn't the latest and greatest design from Orange Julius. It was their dated design. <laughs> so huh. they put it back to basically back to that. And I didn't have the foresight enough to say, hey, maybe we could save you some costs and let's do this and this and this out of sheetrock knowing they were going to be leaving. And that was a missed opportunity, yeah. right? I think if, we, if I would have said, hey, instead of putting in orange and white um, ugly tile, Let's just sheetrock that off, paint it a, a neutral color, and be done, right? 
and the and the count. Anyway, it was a missed opportunity. So, um, anyway, their insurance company took everything, took care of everything. But it was a about a three month process. Um, and the reason is, is because we got through everything and our regional, uh, or our national operations director came and walked through about three days after we were kind of had the scope set for the remediation. And he's, he's looking at me and he says, does your bids all include cleaning the interior skylights? And I said, well, no, why? He goes, because where do you think that smoke all went? Mm. <laughs> and Oh, geez. You know, the light went off and I'm like, Damn. why am I not thinking of this? Where's my head out that I can't think about something that simple? And so we we got in and got some bids to get those skylights cleaned. And that's what took the time because they were, you know, not like the skylights that, the, that you're used to seeing big old open bays of skylights. These were skylights that were, you know, 24 by 24 boxes, basically. So getting somebody up in there to clean them was, was and then find the company to do it and, it was kind of a mess, but it took some time. But cool. um, one of the retailers across the hall were uh, was a jewelry store, and they submitted a bill to us for um, having to having to um, shine all their all their jewelry after the fact. Oh, and I went down to the manager and I said, "Listen, I'll submit this, but if you're not shining the jewelry every day anyway." why are you even in this business? <laughs> and uh, she said, that's where a corporate wants to do it. I didn't think it was a big deal, but they want to do that. I said, okay. But I thought it was a ridiculous did, claim. Did, did the insurance pay it? Yeah. Wow. They paid their time. I, I, I didn't say anything. To, I should have said to the insurance company, do you know how a jewelry store works? <laughs> but I didn't. Do I you know what the morning crew it. does at a jewelry store? <laughs> yeah. Why there's why there's more than one? <laughs> yeah. so, there you go. Uh, that's yeah, awesome. Yeah, that, that was one of them. I mean, yeah, now, it's, it's amazing now, what will happen. You know, now this is off topic, but Dewey, as we kind of wrap up this uh, this this last episode here with you. Um, I kind of I, I want to know the story that you were sharing with us earlier about your son and his driving tech. So I I want to hear this story because I, I you haven't shared it with me yet, but I, I I'm I'm uh, I'm intrigued immensely because because our families are part of our lives and they do show up at our properties and and I remember growing up and you know going to the mall and and basically my my mom would tell me that if my dad f- heard that I was at the mall doing something I shouldn't that uh, you know. It would be the, you know, death comes to us all, and mine would be quick, you know. Um, so, so I, I, I want to hear this. So, so I, hopefully, I set the table for you. But I, I'm just excited to hear the story. Yeah. So, um, it, it's a, it's fantastic because I, I drug my family all over the country. I mean, we were, you know, we were in southern Utah, we were in New Mexico, we were in Oregon, we were in Michigan. I mean, we, were, I drug them all over the place. And my son grew up in the mall industry, and I mean. At one point, we were opening a brand new mall in Michigan, and he was like 10, and, uh, you know, it was during the 2000 uh, time. So, I mean, he, he just he just has a lot of memories of that. So, we're living here in Logan, Utah, and, and we love we loved Jeeps. So, we went and bought him a Jeep Cherokee, and um, he had it all lifted and all this, you know. It was just a really capable vehicle, really fun. And... Um, 
he he he's just a crazy driver, but he was a good driver, and he was always pretty easy going. But he uh, he was always a thrill seeker, right? And so you know, all of us that have had to have snow piles, you'd have these snow piles, and the jeep guy, jeep guys, and truck guys that drive up the piles, leave the truck there, ha ha, great, you know, and that's that's all great, and fun, and and so forth. Well, that wasn't my son. He knew better than that, but he got. He met some of his friends in at the Dillard's and they uh, um, all started doing donuts in the parking lot of the Dillard's parking lot with their Jeeps. And so there's got two or three Jeeps just going, doing donuts in the parking lot. And here comes public safety. Right. (laughs) And my son just nonchalantly pulls into a parking stall, you know, doesn't run from him. And uh, (laughs) this poor public safety director she was on she was on duty and it was a different one from 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 one of our earlier stories but um she 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 pulls up and i had just got after her that day over just doing a bonehead move you know and 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 i kind of was probably a little strong shorter on her than i should have a little stronger personality than i should have um trying to teach her some things that she needed to learn right and uh so that's my way of saying I probably really messed up and <laughs> was Fair yelled enough. at her. So. Fair enough. Yeah. But at any rate, so she was a little timid, but so she pulls up and she's, you know, my son gets out of his Jeep and she gets out of the, out of their uh, security vehicle. And she says, he says, she says, um, you know, you can't be doing donuts in the parking lot. That's, you know, if we see you doing that kind of stuff, again, we're going to have to call the police. And my son says, yeah, I know my dad's Dewey. <laughs> him thinking him thinking my dad's gonna come down here and rip me a new one yeah. right the police would um, be better the, <laughs> yeah yeah call the police send the please. cops please yeah. please <laughs> so he's he's freaking out because he knows me he knows that it's not gonna be pretty right and so um well this poor uh, public safety director she goes oh because I had just had a conversation <laughs> with her that day. So all of a sudden she's thinking, oh, this is Dewey's son. I am in trouble. Oh, no. So here you got two people that are clearly, um, so here, here we have uh, my son who's worried about the security going to call me and he's going to get in trouble. Security I had just talked to earlier and she thinks she's in trouble because she's now had this conversation with my son. So clearly I, I must've come across at that time as somebody who was, who was just ready to chew out somebody at the next turn or something. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, the interesting thing was, is that uh, she's like, Oh, okay. And he, and my son said, no, you don't understand. If there's any way at all, you cannot tell my dad, please, <laughs> please don't tell him. And her response to him was, if there's any way at all you cannot tell your dad about this incident, incident, please don't. And so that brings up the question: Well, which one of them? Actually yeah, what did you find me, out? Right? Yeah, how did you find out? So, so the the good thing is is that my son, being in the business, knows that I do have a sense of humor and I do have a lighthearted nature to myself. And uh, he came home that night. I think he got home at nine or ten or something. And, um he, he he comes in and says hey um i met your uh public safety director and i said yeah well what did and, and i wanted to get his opinion because they'd have been around uh public safety his whole life right and i said i want to get your opinion what do you think of her and you know engaged in this conversation and he said 
she is the best ever. <laughs> she's she's so awesome. And I said, what did you do? Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> oh, no, no one knows our kids like the parents, so that's right. And he told he told me the story, and I said, I said, what are you doing doing donuts in the parking lot? And he said, well, it sounded like fun. And I said, listen, the next time you guys want to do that, right, call me ahead of time, and I'll give you the best time to do it. <laughs> I said, just, and I said, just kidding. Now, don't do that in the park. Yeah, don't do it in the park. So, that's funny. That's anyway, awesome. I uh, went to work the next day, and sure enough, public safety came in. She 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 worked noon to eight, I think, and uh, she came in at noon, and she's kind of nervous. And I go, uh, as soon as she punched in, I called her in there and said, "Hey, can you come to my office? And I just need to have a quick conversation with you." And uh, she comes in and. And she was, knocks on the door, and I said, "Yeah, come on, come on in. Let's let's close the door for a minute." And because uh, I knew I knew she was kind of nervous about the conversation, and I was playing it up. And and uh, so she sits down, and I said, uh, "Heard you had an interaction with my son yesterday," and she said, "Yes, sir," and goes in. I mean, bullet point by bullet point, just you know, pre, military is pre pre thought that out. <laughs> yes, and I said, "Hold on a second. I said, let me, let me just stop you right there. And I, I said, you did a fantastic job with him. He is nothing but happy with the whole interaction. <laughs> you need to be commended. You're great. Um, I said, I want you to go with your staff today and um, let's go have lunch about three o'clock. I'll take all of you to lunch. Can you get a hold of everybody and have them come in? Because you just did a very fantastic job. And that was my way of, number one, saying, don't ever be afraid of pulling my son over or calling out any family member of mine. But it was also my way of saying, yeah, I was probably a little hard on you yesterday. So let's, uh, we got to work together as a team here. So, Oh, that's awesome. What, that's a great way to, to end our podcast today. And and uh, I think that's an awesome way for yeah. your son to evaluate. That's the best security manager I've ever met of all the ones I've met. I, I, I bet awesome. you he didn't do that anymore yeah. there. And no, not do, there. no more donuts, at least Somewhere at your else. mall. That's, right. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Well, well, thank not you. that we caught him anyway. Yeah, yeah right. well, Dewey, thank you so much for joining us yep, and thank you, kicking off our second epi- uh, second season, second episode of our second season. We're, uh, we're grateful for your uh, talents and for your stories. Yep, thanks, thanks Dewey. Well, thank you so much. It was sure a pleasure. I uh, I sure like the podcast. I listen to it every every week. So thank you very well, much. Well, uh, we'll look forward to this episode hitting the air, and and uh, and happy New Year to you. And, uh, and, we'll- and and don't forget, if you're listening and you want to be part of it, uh, you and and obviously all disciplines and retailers, please reach out to David on LinkedIn or however he decides he wants to do it. Yeah, and uh, we'll we'll have you on too. All right, well, thank you very much. And uh, to all our listeners, thank you very much. And I hope you've enjoyed the stories, and we will catch you next time.